African savannah on safari, looking for... Mike, is that a lion stalking us? I think it's something much scarier. It's a search term report, and someone has keywords with 150% ACOS. Oh no, they never added any negative keywords. Oh, and it looks like all their bids are just $3. No bid optimization? We're in trouble. We need to do something about this giant ACOS, but I don't know if we can do it alone. Oh no, it's the Ad Badger. Should we run? No, no, no. The Ad Badger can save us. He'll rip that high ACOS to shreds with bid optimization and negative keywords. What's going on, Badger Nation? It's Mike and Brett from Ad Badger, and you're listening to the PPC Den Podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast, and your source for all of the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. What is going on, everybody out there? It is very hot here in Austin. You know, Stephen, yesterday we had a heat index about 120. And for those of us out there using Celsius, it's 48 or 49 degrees Celsius. Pretty hot over here. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely approaching the uh, the miserable days of August where it's triple digits heat for, you know, basically nonstop. That's even, right. Even in the evenings. Everyone comes to Austin during South by Southwest. They're like, wow, this is wonderful. South by Southwest is in March. The weather's perfect. <laughs> Let me move here a couple months later. Boom. It's August. It's 120. Yeah. I recently just, uh, when I was fl- flying back to Austin from California, it was like 2 a.m. and I got off the plane and it was like 90 degrees outside. I was like, well, where am I? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, anything you particularly like to do when it gets this hot? Stay indoors, That's drink right. lots of water. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, I really like to go for a run when it like, gets like, oh, you're crazy. I, I, I really do like it. I really, I feel like I'm getting a better workout. <laughs> Anyone out there in exercise science, please let me know if that's a good idea or not. Um, but I wanted to start the show by thanking, help me out with the pronunciation of this, uh, name, Stephen. I think it's a Kiryat 13. Thank you so much. Kiryat 13 on Apple podcasts, which is, I think is the only place you can leave podcast reviews on the internet. Like you can't leave them on Google podcasts. That's what I used to listen to podcasts, but, um, left a review. Thanks so much. Five stars, legit Amazon PPC experts. Michael and Brett are the real deal drawing on their years of experience running Amazon PPC campaigns for mid-sized brands. I, I, I think we also do by the way, large and small and too, small, all of them. uh, as well as in the trenches knowledge from developing the ad badger software tool. Thanks for saying the ad badger, uh, Definitely trust their insight in this area. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. I appreciate that. And today on the show, we have something pretty interesting. We're, we're spicing it up. We're doing something different. We just put up on our site a voicemail. So just like so many other shows, you can now dial in to AdBadger. Go to adbadger.com slash voicemail. You can leave us your questions and we'll play some of them on the show and talk about some of them on the show here and there when we have episodes like this, uh, which is our frequently asked question show. Uh, Not only frequently asked, but also very interesting questions we wanted to touch on too. So it's sort of an FAQ as well as a interesting... I. Interestingly asked <laughs> questions too. So we wanted to touch on questions that uh, may not 
be asked a lot that are sort of unique, uh, as well as things that a, a lot of people are sort of thinking about. Um, so I'm really excited about this. For this episode, we don't actually have any voicemails from any of our listeners, but what we do have is that we do have that live chat in our site. We've been collecting questions for months and months and months. So today what we did was we looked through some of those and we came up with some pretty interesting ones. And I'm pretty stoked about this format, Frequently Asked Questions. Yeah, we do have an FAQ page on our website that I'm not sure if a lot of people actually know about it. Um, but this is kind of just a way to um, just kind of bring a lot of those questions to the surface that mm -hmm. hopefully help a lot of people out. Um, because, you know, Michael, like you were saying, we get a lot of the same questions mm -hmm. asked over and over again. And we think uh, it would just bring a lot of value to the Amazon PPC community mm -hmm. if uh, these questions were just kind of broadcasted. And, you know, we gave our, our own insight mm -hmm. just based off our own, you know, experiences and what we've seen work and not work. Yeah. You know, I love that you said Amazon PPC community. As a super quick aside, uh, we were just talking with our social media intern and, you know, I think it's doing social media for a company like AdBadger is going to be tricky, right? It's B2B instead of like B2C. It's also in a niche B2B. So it's not like we are WordPress.com or Wix or MailChimp where every single company needs email marketing that exists uh, with sort of just Amazon companies, just Amazon companies that like want to level up in a specific area of paid advertising. So I was like, you know, that was a challenge, but that's also like a cool opportunity too. like we get to help set the stage for what the Amazon PPC community looks like. Um, that's like a super quick aside. And I think it's a really cool sort of mission, side mission for AdBadger and this podcast to have is to really cultivate a really strong, robust, mature, sophisticated Amazon advertising ecosystem. And I think it's been really cool even in the last year, last two years, it's definitely matured from its inception point. Uh, it's getting less like the Wild West and it's getting more sort of sophisticated with more sophisticated strategies. Uh, and everyone out there listening, is part of it. Yeah, so and I love to see. So much. I also love to see just how passionate everybody is when it comes to this kind of, you know, this style of advertising, mm -hmm. especially with Amazon. Uh, we just see people, you know, blowing up either our Facebook page or other Facebook pages um, with questions, and uh, I think that's great because um, someone told me one time that your uh, your biggest strength is the tasks you do that make it feel like time's flying. Mm -hmm. And so I think for a lot of people out there, I think it's uh, PPC. I think that's why they're <laughs> they're listening to podcasts and everything because because mm -hmm. uh, makes time fly. I'm only laughing because we're interviewing a lot of people to bring onto the team at AdBadger. That's something you ask. That's a lot. my question. I want to make sure. Mm -hmm. That's how I know what someone's strengths are. That's right. So let's get into it. I wanted to get started, and we have seven questions that we that we're going to touch on today. But I wanted to do question zero. So question zero. I have been in paid traffic, digital marketing for all, just about 10 years now. And almost most questions have something in common. And most questions when we are asked of them can often make me like, my first reaction is like, I need to learn more. So some of the things that I think help like as people go to adbadger.com slash voicemail or they go to our live chat and they write in with questions, just some things that can help us answer them more effective and efficiently. Uh, you know, we had someone, uh, it was actually a friend, uh, I'm in like 12 Slack channels. I don't know why, but I, I like can't say no anymore. It's just like, hey, do you want to join my Slack channel? I was yeah, like, sure. Your let's screen terrifies me when I see those <laughs> many channels. Um, but I was in this particular Slack channel, and someone asked me like, hey, uh, I'm trying to do this thing. Can you tell me more about 
like what I should be doing next. And my response to that was, can you send me a screen cap of your campaign that you're, that's in question? Send me a screen cap of the ad group. Send me a screen cap of the keywords and the ASINs. Like I need some additional information. So I think some of the things that can be helpful when you write in uh, or call in is some general non-specific metrics. You know, maybe it's a spend amount because that helps us understand like, well, at how fast should we be optimizing? Because you know you you treat a campaign that's spending thousand dollars a month way different than a campaign that's spending a thousand dollars a day. Right. So maybe spend levels, order levels to go along with that. Uh, current A cost, your target A cost. Some of these things just help sort of us orient ourselves around where we should be thinking. Like the level of sophistication in the campaigns, it, it sort of tells us a lot. Those like general getting your bearings uh, can be helpful. Right. And uh, I've definitely, actually just today I had someone writing in um, who was, you know, freaking out because they had 400% ACOS. Oof. And uh, and then when I checked out their account, it was a $20 of ad spend and $5 of revenue. Right. <laughs> and it was not as, as bad right. as, of a situation as mm -hmm. I thought that the campaign had been running for like two days. Right. Uh, so you, you want to approach those situations in a, in a very different way than if it was 400% ACOS at- $20,000 right. spend and 5,000 revenue. So like, a, you know, the, the, the insight there would be, hey, we need to wait a little bit longer for the smaller campaign. We need some more data to roll in because uh, it seems like at one conversion would have taken taking it from, you know, the current A cost, cut it in half or even further, uh, whereas that wouldn't be the case in a much, much larger account. So definitely knowing some of those situations, and I think I've said enough about this, let's move on to question number one. Steven, question number one comes in from Rennie. What's going on, Rennie? Uh, Steven, can you read to us Rennie's question? Yeah, so Rennie was actually writing in from uh, the European Union, which I always think is cool to kind of see that international support that we're getting. Um, they were actually and and uh, they were actually writing in about one of our uh, blog posts on uh, the Amazon advertising stats post um, that we put out that we we try to update pretty regularly. Uh, we just updated it for uh, May and June's metrics um, in mm -hmm. just this month, so you guys can check that out it's if you want to see the. It's one of our most popular posts. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and we basically just use our our own data pool to mm -hmm. kind of give you guys some benchmarks and averages and and um, yeah, Rennie pointed out that we talk about the average click through rate. And uh, we say that if you have a really low click-through rate on one of your um, products or campaigns, that that means you may need to optimize your product listing because you could be having some listing quality issues there. And now Rennie's question was, how can you know product page listing quality issues affect your click-through rate? Because the potential customer doesn't see your product listing until after he or she has clicked on the ad. So basically he's saying, shouldn't product listing optimization only affect conversion rates, not click-through mm -hmm. rates? Um, yeah, Michael, how would you uh, respond to that? Right. It's, it's almost like uh, I was reading this post one time and I thought it was really, it put things really, uh, it was very concise. It's like the goal of every step of the sales funnel is to just get the person to do the very next thing. So it's like, you know, if you have this really robust sales funnel from Facebook ads over to Amazon, it's like, okay, you're, the very first step is to just serve an ad that people will click on. And it's very true with Amazon too. It's like the goal of the ad, uh, yes, ultimately we want the sale, but really the goal of the ad is just to get the person to click on it. Right. So those components that go into the, the clickability of the listing are the specific listing product details that influence this very first micro step, you know, 
is it clickable? And right. that's the thing. So like, what are the components of clickability for an Amazon listing? Yeah, and and uh, I mean, so when it goes, when we talk about product listing itself, there's a lot of things we're talking about. We're talking about the title itself. We're talking about the product images. We're talking about the uh, the bulleted details. Mm-hmm. And um, not all of that information is actually seen from the Amazon search results page, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is. So you are going to see the price, for example. Yep. So folks who look at the price, they're instantly going to know if it's in their price range mm-hmm. or not. Uh, they're instantly going to see the reviews. So um, having really bad reviews is obviously going to drop your click-through rate. Mm-hmm. Um, people are also looking for that little prime badge. Mm-hmm. Um, people will gravitate towards the, the products that are FBA mm-hmm. um, and have that little prime sticker on, on them. Um, and also just that that first picture um, is mm-hmm. your most important picture for clickability. If it's a really bad, I mean, actually, Michael, I saw one product where uh, the, the very front picture uh, was the product in the box and the box was damaged. What? And that was what they were using for their main image Oof. was a damaged box. So everything's fixable though. So. Yeah, 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 everything we can clean it up, but um, it up. those are definitely <laughs> the listing quality issues that could uh, definitely have a, a big impact on your CTR. Right. So, so hammering on those. So it's kind of like you, you should be able to sort of measure that as a whole. And I know loads of things in the campaigns themselves will also influence CTR. You know, if you have a broad match keyword that's targeting loads of things that aren't uh, getting clicks, like, and then you clean that up, that can improve your CTR. So it's, it's, it is difficult to test what the impact of an image, uh, the price and the star rating and the title, how that qu- quantitatively influences the click-through rate. However, we know that an improvement in those things does have an overall trend. So uh, my recommendation for sort of taking that in stride, turning that into a process would be to sort of track your overall click-through rate on that particular product. And if you want your overall click-through rate on a particular product all at once for your entire account, we talked last week actually about product reports. So we there's a product, you know, you can download an advertised product report. You can run a pivot table and you can sort of know the click-through rate on there. And then as you're growing your data set, you can start to see the influences between your campaigns for that product's click-through rate over time. And ideally, it's getting greater over time um, as you make those adjustments to your product image, your title, your star rating, uh, and all those good things. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on to question number two. All right, so this question is coming to us from a person named Tao all the way from China. So again, it's it's awesome that we're getting that uh, international impact. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were asking about um, using fixed bids versus dynamic bidding, um, whether that's up and down or down only. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, their entire account is set up for dynamic up and down. And uh, on previous episodes, we've actually recommended using fixed bids over dynamic bidding. Um, but this is a question that we keep seeing over and over again. So we thought it might be a good idea to readdress it and um, also just talk about if you're going to make a, a big change for your entire account move, everything yes. from dynamic to right. fixed bids. That's the first thing to address in this question. Yeah. Should you ever be making a huge global change like that? Probably not. Like That's probably the first thing to address in this question. Like at PPC accounts, you want to chip away at them over time. Like your Michelangelo creating the what the statue of David. Yeah, I was like, I was gonna say like your Michelangelo creating the statue of Michelangelo. No, <laughs> like you're like you're just chipping away at marble. Like that's how I think we should all be thinking of our PPC campaigns. Like small, gradual changes over time. Like that's where we're trying to get because 
regardless of what we're about to say, like our thoughts on fixed bids versus the dynamic bids settings in Amazon, the truth of the matter is it may vary from account to account, from industry to industry, from campaign size to campaign size, all these different things. It, there's going to be loads of variability because if, if, if it was as easy as like, just do this one through three step and then everyone's account would be absolutely perfect. We wouldn't have a podcast series. It would be one episode where we say exactly what you need to do. But like, there's so much variability there. So the first thing I would say, just let's just put this into context. Like you always want to chip away at your accounts. You want to test it, see how it performs, and then sort of roll it out more, uh, you know, roll it out gradually over time. Uh, and gradually is, of course, is a relative word. The larger an account, probably the faster you can go. This smaller, probably the slower you can go. But that's the first thing that I would want to touch on in this question. Right. Um, I like to go on rants. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we would definitely recommend, you know, starting off with just a couple of campaigns first, switching those stra those bidding strategies from dynamic up and down to fixed bids. And, you know, really you could actually do like a, a step, step ladder, step stool mm -hmm. type thing and mm -hmm. switch from up and down, uh, dynamic up and down to dynamic down only mm -hmm. to right. fixed bids. If you want to make it even a little bit mm -hmm. more seamless, that transition. Um, so what are your general thoughts on this? General thoughts, you know, I think uh, we. I used to be really, uh, really against dynamic bidding um, because I'd never really saw any good performance come out of it. But I think Amazon's algorithms have gotten a little bit better. I've seen dynamic bidding perform a little bit better. Uh, my personal preference is I still would rather use fixed bids because I like to be in control of every bid on every keyword based on its performance. Um, again, Amazon's not very transparent with mm -hmm. with the data they use to you know. They, they say if, it, if it's more likely that this search will convert, uh, they'll increase the bids by up to 100%, which to me is a pretty mm -hmm. big increase, especially right. if, you're, if you're already using uh, a, a bid modifier for top of search mm -hmm. placements that's you know, willing to increase it by 100%, mm -hmm. and then they throw another 100% on top of that, it, right. it gets out of control pretty quickly. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of strange, the, even the description of dynamic bids uh, inside Amazon, where it's like, how much are you doing it by? Why are you doing it? I haven't inputted my target, like what I wanted to get to. So how do they really know what, you know, my sort of thing here is like, in general, I feel like Amazon doesn't necessarily care if I'm getting a 10% ACoS, 20%, 30%, 70% ACoS, as long as I'm on the platform, I'm spending money and I'm just moving forward somewhat, like I'm getting sales and I'm spending money somewhat, I feel like it's the individual advertiser's responsibility to be like, my target is blank and I want to be sure that my bid is within my target spend per click relative to how much revenue I generate, um, which is sort of third-party consultants too, like everyone who's not an Amazon seller but is in the Amazon space. It's like the goal should be to help people hit their goals not necessarily just any arbitrary number. Um, so in that, with that said, I think the, the thing, the dynamic bids inside Amazon, you know, there's no user inputted target A cause. And I think that's a big issue for me. Right. You know, what would actually be really interesting to see is uh, if Amazon released like, you know, you could download like advertising reports for dynamic bidding mm -hmm. and kind of see the results, like when they increase bids, mm -hmm. what happened to your your sales and revenue and all that stuff. You know, Stephen, put it on your Christmas list. I'll put it on there. Because <laughs> they have it, they, you can see placement reports. So it'd be mm -hmm. interesting to see like dynamic bidding mm -hmm. reports and the actual effectiveness of it. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, one reason, uh, again, why I would just, why I personally opt for fixed bids 
is um, if you're using a, a bidding calculation or even like a like a software tool that's that's running bid calculations for you, you're usually trying to target a certain CPC, mm-hmm. um, and you know dynamic bidding can easily double your CPCs mm-hmm. and you know take you out of out of your ACOS range. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just I personally opt for fixed bids. Yeah, uh, and some final thoughts on that. Uh, if you are going to be an active sort of power optimizer, and probably people listening to the show are going to be, then, you know, using fixed bids, setting your own bids based off your performance is probably the path that probably a lot of our listeners are generally going to take. Um, curious to get even more, should crowdsource some details on right. this. But, uh, um, I, I do want to say one more thing. The, the one time, <laughs> the one time when I do opt for dynamic bidding up and down is uh, I'm okay with using that for auto campaigns. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because with auto campaigns, you don't have control over the search terms that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when, you know, Amazon, I think, will, uh, if the customer's search term, you know, pretty much matches your product title exactly, mm-hmm. it'll increase your bids for those highly relevant searches. And then the ones that are not quite as relevant, it'll decrease the bids. Mm-hmm. If it's a manual campaign with exact match keywords, though, uh, you can you can bet I'm going to be going fixed mm-hmm. bids. Cool. That's a good final thought. Let's move to question three. All right, question three comes in from John, and John says, Hi, I have recently gone through all of the Ad Badger podcast content, and first off, thank you so much. Uh, that's awesome to hear. That's, uh, a big, that's a big feat. That's a big <laughs> I feat. Think I spoke with him on the phone. He said uh, he went through it in just a couple days, Whoa. is what he said. We need some kind of like listener thing either on their site or in the office here of just like every, people that can say they listen to everyone. That's right, the Hall of Fame. Right, the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that'd be really cool. Um, anyway, fully understand the suggested strategy of starting with an auto and transitioning into manual campaigns from the derived keywords. However, after running a campaign as suggested, all the report developed were ASINs. So I guess he's looking at a search term report. He only sees ASINs, which are not useful in scaling manual campaigns. Uh, so I think that's a, this is a good point to pause. So Stephen, I just want to confirm my understanding to this question. It seemed like he was running the auto and the only things that he got clicks for were actually ASIN, uh, you know, suggested right, sponsored yeah. product. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's where we're at. Um, so th- I think it's, I've seen that before. I think it's rarer where you only get ASIN impressions, but, um, it can happen. My hunch is that this is probably a smaller account. Um, so I think that's interesting. Uh, and then the question sort of wondering, you know, did I do anything wrong with my campaign basically? Uh, and I think, no, like you didn't do anything wrong with your campaign. I think that can happen where you only get ASIN impressions on your auto campaign. Um, it potentially has something to do with the suggested sponsored product, like they suggested product on the product pages, giving you those ASIN clicks are probably coming in cheaper, like at lower bids than the like top of search placements that you could also get from your auto. So it's like all of the, you know, potentially only winning bids for the suggested sponsored product as opposed to search, which can be potentially more expensive for, perhaps in this case. That's my, that's sort of what my gut is telling me on this one. Yeah, those uh, those pro- you're you're absolutely right there, Michael. The uh, product page placements can sometimes be a little bit cheaper mm-hmm. as far as CPCs go. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just had a lower bid for the campaign, that right. could just win you more of those mm-hmm. placements, and therefore mm-hmm. you'd be seeing more of those right. ASINs popping up in your search term report. Should, should he increase the bids on the auto? 
Should he increase the bids? I mean, it depends on, you know, if he's if he's already over his right. target A cost. And and this it always is, goes back to goals. Right. This is one of the things, too. It's like, how do we know? Like, you know, maybe his potential budget is $3,000 a month, but he's only spending $500 a month. Uh, I would probably say in that case, like, yeah, let's boost it up. Let's get some data, especially if it's early days. You know, paying for data when you first get started is generally a good idea. You want to see how it performs. Um, so that's sort of some thoughts here. Um you know, you can also do the RPSB, the Research Peel, Stick, and Block strategy if you only got ASIN impressions. In fact, like there's ways, like we talk about reverse engineering a campaign, so it only gives you ASIN impressions. Like, and then you'd have an only ASIN impression campaign and an only search impression campaign. And that's like kind of a cool idea to like play around with and try to reverse engineer campaigns like that. So I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing, but it's probably has something to do with bids, maybe some relevance, maybe Amazon's not fully understanding what the product is about or something like that. Um, so that's what I sort of think about. That's my reaction to this one. Any more details? Yeah, and I think the the best strategy in this situation, um, and this actually only applies for auto campaigns that were created after November 2018. So if anything before that, you're out of luck, unfortunately. But any campaigns after that, Amazon um, allowed you to kind of control your auto-targeting options. Right. And so if you're only getting ASINs, there's actually, there's four auto-target options. There's close match, loose match, and then complements and substitutes. Mm -hmm. So close match, and, close match and loose match are actually um, pairing you up with customer search terms. Yep. And then complements and substitutes are pairing you up with other ASINs. Mm -hmm. So you could actually, if you wanted to basically nuke your, you know, ASINs uh, targeting on those, you could actually set those to two cents for right. substitutes and complements because two cents is the lowest mm -hmm. bid Amazon will let you let you do. So mm -hmm. um, that's probably the best way to nuke it. And then you can also always increase your bids for top of search if you want to, you know, ensure that you're actually landing on the Amazon search results page. Said very well, my friend. Let's move on to question four. All right, question four, another John. I don't think the same one. Uh, this question is, when should someone manage my campaigns like an agency or a freelancer, or when should I do it myself, or when should I use a software tool? Uh, pretty good question. You want to take a stab at this? Yeah, um, I would say just always go straight for the software. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is worth an entire episode on, on its own. Um, so in general... Uh, we live in a world, uh, you know, I have a book on my desk from Frederick Valley's about like PPC and artificial intelligence. And, you know, the days of not using tools to manage PPC, I would say are long gone. Uh, if you, I mean, if you're not using a tool to like manage SEO or ranking or pay traffic, like you probably should, like your competitors are, like, and even if it's saving them an hour a week, if it's saving them two hours a week, like that's time that they can then dedicate towards other areas of optimization, which then you have to spend. So whether you're working with an agency, like hopefully that agency is using a software or a freelancer, they should be using software too. Um, even yourself, if you're doing it yourself, should also be using it. So definitely we live in sort of digital marketing software, like Everything that you do with digital marketing, rank tracking on Amazon, product page analysis, competitor analysis, review management, refunds uh, off of Amazon, email marketing, Google, like analytics, social media, like tools will help you get more done faster, more efficiently. So that's definitely it. It's almost like the thing of uh, like, you know, like economic productivity, 
like it goes up and up there. I listened to this podcast on planet money and it was talking about like economic productivity was like how much work it requires to get like one hour of light inside. And like hundreds of years ago to, in order to get light inside, you had to like go find whale blubber and like make a candle yourself. And like now it's so much easier for us to do it. Wait, I don't need to get whale blubber anymore? <laughs> That's what the, the This point, is news to me. The point of the podcast was just like things become way, way, way more efficient. Like like our economic productivity, like we do so much more per hour than people did 10 years ago, than people did 50 years ago. So tools and software is a way that you can get more done faster. That's my little rant on just efficiencies with tools. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, an agency, a freelancer, doing it yourself, uh, I think there's some interesting things to consider in this case. First, like where, what stage of the business is it in? Uh, it's very easy to hand off a campaign that has some momentum to an outside party. Cause like, hey, it already has momentum. Can you like take this to the next level? I think that's probably the most common. And for some people, like the next level uh, can mean different things to different people. I mean, you know, maybe they're spending $500 a month and it's okay. Now they want to hand it off to a, maybe a small freelancer. Maybe they're spending all the way up to $5,000 a month. Then they want to hand it off maybe to an agency. Um, so I think different things can matter and the different interests of the sort of the business team you know, is there someone that really likes doing the paid traffic? Uh, if so, then yeah, why don't you guys develop that intelligence for yourselves internally? That could be cool. Uh, maybe nobody wants to do it. Maybe you need to find a good trusted partner to do it um, then for sure. So I think there's loads of different levels here. Uh, what, are, what are your sort of thoughts on this, Stephen? Yeah, so when it comes to actually, you know, off handing your work to someone else, your campaigns, um, the biggest things I would try to think through are, you know, how you know how much money or how much ad spend are you actually trying to leave, give give someone the responsibility for, and what are their fees going to be like for that? And um, you just make sure you factor that into um, all of your ACOS calculations because we we usually when we're calculating like our break even ACOS, mm -hmm. you know, we're factoring in Amazon fees, cost of production, all that good stuff. So you're gonna have to throw these agency fees or freelancer fees on top of that as well um, because that's going to, yeah, just cut into your profits there. So right. um, the way I would kind of say it is um, just imagine, you know, for every like every $1,000 of ad spend, let's just say um, $1,000 of ad spend equals 30, 30 minutes a week of management. Um, and so then if it goes up to 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, you're getting up to like five hours uh, mm -hmm. a week of management. Um, so just kind of factor right. that into consideration with basically how much labor you're going to be offhanding and and how much um, that's worth to you and how much you think it should be worth right. to the person. I also think this isn't a question that this person asked, but uh, we could probably do an entire episode on this. But my favorite thing to assess an agency or freelancer or whoever you work with is do they do what they say they're going to um, in the sense of are they reliable, are they dependable? I think those skills are really, really valuable. Um, what's up? And, uh just a quick word of advice. Um, we were actually joking earlier today about releasing a a, a, a podcast episode or, or a blog oh, yeah. post about how do you know if your agency is ripping you off, your advertising mm -hmm. agency. And uh, one of the things that I recommend everybody do if they have an agency is uh, double check uh, your search term reports mm -hmm. and see how often they're downloading those. Mm -hmm. um, if they're not downloading them on like a monthly or at least bi-monthly basis, right. you might be getting ripped off. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And same with same with bulk operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they haven't been downloading or uploading any bulk files since you hired them, a little suspect. Yeah, but um, not to say that there's not you know. It's just a little suspect. You might yeah, want to ask right. them how they're doing things. Right. Yeah. I'm not sorry. I don't. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus there. Mm-hmm. But it is. It is suspicious. Right. I gotta keep. I gotta defend all my agency people out there. Right. Uh, there's plenty of ways to to potentially get that done. Uh, moving on to question five. So this question came in to us from a gentleman named George, and he was saying that he heard the advice to split up your campaigns based on keyword search volume. Mm-hmm. So he had two different campaigns, um, one filled with keywords that had over a thousand searches a month and another one that was under a thousand searches a month. Mm-hmm. And he was wondering our feedback on that kind of advice. So you, you know what, in our pre-show, I had a, a you know, kind of a, what? I had never heard that uh, reaction. But I think my reaction now after hearing it again is, uh, yeah, why not? Give it a try. See what happens. Uh, if this is a brand new campaign and you're trying something new or you had the luxury of maybe pausing something historically and trying something completely new, I mean, that's how like new learnings are are discovered. So George P., if you're out there, let us know how that actually went. Uh, my hunch is that probably not worth the effort. Uh, my hunch is that probably you don't necessarily need to do that. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, my my hunch is probably not. Probably doesn't have a huge impact. Probably not worth the time. Um, to probably a, a, a zero impact or potentially negative impact. Yeah, I don't see any way that the the performance itself would really be affected. It might just be a nice way to um, just real quickly uh, navigate through your campaigns, or, or sorry, navigate through your your keywords and kind of really quickly find you know your most important mm-hmm. high traffic. Uh, generating keywords. Right. Um, so that could be a strategy there, but um, I personally don't find a lot of value in that because mm-hmm. you can always just throw a filter that says, you know, show right. me all the keywords with at least a thousand exactly. searches. So sometimes I feel like there's some strategies that some strategies are just like, hey, can we think of a strategy? Separate all your campaigns by alphabetical order. All of your right. A keywords, let's have to start with A, and then all of your B segment those Why not? Out. Why not? We had a, Michael, I don't remember if you had a, we, we had one customer who had um, single keyword campaigns. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? I think so. It was I a few, mean, it was a few months a ago, yeah. That do that. So, I mean, there's, there's some strategies out there that are right. kind of interesting. Right. Uh, and it's always interesting too, because like PPC is never in a vacuum, and you can never really know what the performance. Let's. There's no true A/B testing on Amazon, right? You can't say, "Hey, fifty percent of my impressions, you know, one impression go to this campaign, then other impression go to this campaign." You can't set up a true campaign experiment like you can on Facebook ads or Google ads, which kind of sucks. Because if you did want to explore different things like that, there's no way that you could. Because you know you could say, okay, this month I'm going to do single keyword ad groups. The next month I'm going to do normal, you know, what's considered normal. And then at the end of those two months, I'm going to look back at you know June and July and see which ones did better. It's possible that July could have just been slower than June, or there's right. a degree of variance everywhere. So it's really, really difficult to pinpoint some of these things down. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear how that went for George. My hunch is probably don't need to segment your keywords by search volume. Moving on, question six. Question six, should I be pausing my campaigns during certain hours? This is pretty interesting, and I've got some thoughts. Stephen, I know you've got some thoughts. Yeah, um, so 
this is something that folks would call day parting, um, which is basically adjusting your bids throughout the day, either um, pausing your campaigns um, altogether or just increasing or decreasing bids um, based on the hour of the day when you think you'll be more profitable mm-hmm. or have higher conversion rates. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my answer is I would say it's not really worth it. And the reason why I say that is because Amazon doesn't give us hourly reporting data. Right. So it's really all speculation. You're, you're in your campaign. You're really just guessing in the dark. Right. Uh, shooting in the. You're guessing and shooting in the dark. You're, you're doing both. Yeah. You're guessing. You're guessing blindfolded <laughs> with uh, <laughs> trying to figure out. You know. You're just saying. Well, maybe I'm not getting as many sales in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you'll pause it then. But you don't really know that. You know. It's it's right. all just you know hypothetical. You know. I think if someone has a mountain of data to be able to rely on, then of course you should be doing day parting. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, I mean, there's a 48-hour delay, a 12-hour delay uh, inside Amazon advertising. It's getting shorter. Like, I'd, I'd love it if they were actually able to, like, tell us that. But at the, at the moment, it's, like, very, very difficult to get any day information inside your ad account. So I'm not a huge fan of this strategy, only because we don't have all of that uh sort of weak parting, I guess you can call it, where you split the week into separate parts per day, can probably be a little bit more effective because you can download performance over time. You can download your reports day by day and actually start to see trends from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You can see those trends. And then, yes, you know, potentially you can go in at certain times and play with budgets or play with um, things of that nature during certain days of the week. However, pausing a campaign... Uh, like this person was asking, should I just pause my campaigns when I go to sleep at night and turn them back on when I wake up or something like that? Because, you know, sales are definitely lower than, you know, it's a pay-per-click platform. So like if somebody's searching, then you'll only get charged when they click on it. So that's okay if the search volume is lower. If the conversion rate is lower, like people are just generally less likely to convert. I think that information, unfortunately, doesn't exist inside Seller Central right now. The other thing too, if you're going to be pausing those overnight, Amazon doesn't really love when you pause a campaign and then turn it back on. Uh, neither does Google, neither does Facebook. Like they like to rely on the sort of ad quality, the sort of ad dependability. How good is this ad? How reliable is this campaign? You know, you see this a lot where you have a super big campaign with maybe a funky structure, but it's doing well somehow. And it's like, is are they just doing well because that sort of ad dependability, that ad quality is so high that sort of Amazon might be excusing not having the picture-perfect account just because it's spending so much for so long. Um, Similar things are out there on Google and Facebook too. So pausing things normally puts that into a jolt and then you need some time to like restart it. Um, So I'm not a huge fan of this strategy. Um, I don't want to say that, you know, never say never, but I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't do it. Yeah, I would would be okay with uh, doing that weak parting. And, uh, you know, if you notice that you get you know, significantly fewer conversions over the weekends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I should say a worse conversion rate because like Michael uh, aptly pointed out, uh, less traffic doesn't mean you should pause it just Mm because there's less traffic. Uh, If it's worse conversion rates, then that would be a reason to- Worse A cost. Yeah, yeah, because if you get less traffic, but your conversion rates actually go up, then Mm -hmm. you should by all means keep running it. So uh, if you get worse conversion rates over the weekends or over over certain days of the week, Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, decrease bids, pause right. them real shortly. Mm -hmm. And even still, I'm like still hesitant as I think even more about this. It's like even if your ACOS is worse on the weekends, it doesn't necessarily mean you should pause it. That means you should do some bid optimization for Saturday and Sunday, not necessarily pause it wholesale. Um, right. Anyway. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, let's go on to the seventh and final question. All right, so our last question today is about click fraud. And the question is, do we think that this is a big deal on Amazon mm -hmm. and something that Amazon sellers should be concerned about? Right, click fraud. Let's say, Stephen, uh, for those of you listening, you don't know this yet. For those of you watching uh, on YouTube or social, you do know this. Stephen has this wonderful Hawaiian shirt on today. Look, <laughs> looking fresh, Stephen. Uh, but let's say you're selling Hawaiian shirts on Amazon. I search. I'm also selling Amazon uh, I'm also selling Hawaiian shirts on Amazon. I want to run your budget out. I'm going to make some searches. I'm going to click on your ads, and I'm going to try to drive up your ad spend, hurt your ACoS, and hopefully turn your ads off from running out of uh, budget because you, you've, I'm going to click on it 100 times. Um, I think just one person trying to do that, I don't think they can get away with it. I think Amazon knows that that happens, and Amazon has some tiny documentation on it that basically says anything that they've noticed that's weird, some weird anomalies coming from uh, behavior from an IP address or even on a particular keyword uh, to a particular seller, um, they'll sort of try to find that out. Um, and I would like to believe it's smart enough to know that like, if one company is like under attack, that they'll be able to identify that and hopefully rectify that, you know, credit those clicks back to you. Um, it's kind of a bummer that you can't really see all of that data. You, you know, even if you do get some, some things credited back, you don't really know it. And you're always wondering, like, what if there's even more out there? Like, if there's these, why not there be more? So I think in that one example of, like, one company doesn't like you, trying to go after you, just that one person in that office, it's going to be found out. It's not always that simple. Right. And... Uh I think Amazon will actually, uh, uh, if you, if suddenly, you know, there's a big spike in your clicks, which uh, we actually saw with, with one account one time where they were averaging like a hundred clicks a day. And then one day it just shot up to like in the thousands range. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think he got, I think he, uh, one of his competitors actually got like a bot. Like you right. can actually get these like computer bots that will mm -hmm. like do uh, click fraud for you. But, mm -hmm. um, not recommending that to anybody out right. there <laughs> mm -hmm. that you do that. But um, yeah, you can you can report that to Amazon if they didn't catch it. Yeah. And if it's, you know, an abnormal spike in clicks without an increase in conversions, and it's at least over $30 of ad spend, um, they'll reimburse you for right. whatever, whatever we've, the spend we've actually was. We have actually had real people actually write into Amazon and get refunded. Um, so this is something that maybe slipped by their automatic sensor, and they're like, wow, that really does look like some kind of attack that slipped by our sensors. We've actually seen people got credited back, which is pretty cool. Actually, uh, this is just kind of for fun, but um, there was a while where our podcast had a massive spike in listens. Right. It, it like doubled overnight, mm -hmm. and uh, we thought it was almost like some kind of fraud or something, mm -hmm. but then the numbers were consistent, and right. uh, I think our, it just Damn. somehow got popular. <laughs> Whoa, that's right. Well, I mean, why would there be podcast fraud in the first place? I don't know. It doesn't make any uh -huh. sense, but uh, thank you guys all for listening. That's right. Uh, so in general, do I think it's a huge issue on Amazon? Probably not. Uh, probably there is some going on, but it's sort of like you got to take the good with the bad. And I know I like hate saying that, but... There, I think Amazon, Google, Facebook, like these companies rely on being trustworthy and being foolproof and being technologically sound. So I think they invest a lot in being sure, 
to make sure that their platforms are sound. Now, who's to say that, you know, you go on these different sites and you get like an army of people to be searching and clicking on things. Even still, I'd like to believe that Amazon's able to identify that, fix it, and keep the platforms clean. And that is our seven questions. Um, any final thoughts about these questions? People can go to adbadger.com slash voicemail to leave a voicemail, and we'll actually include that on future FAQ shows. Uh, maybe we'll do an FAQ, like one question at the end of every episode. Who knows? Getting ahead of myself. We haven't <laughs> talked about this. Um, but um, any final thoughts, Stephen? No, I'm just super excited to hear from you guys. Uh, I love your questions. Um, a lot of them are really good, and, and some of them are things I never thought about before, so it definitely keeps me on my toes and, and keeps me sharp and rethinking uh, new things every day. That's right. So that's adbadger.com slash voicemail to leave us a note that we'll play on the show. Uh, I think I have to say we probably won't be able to play all of them, but uh, if you want to get all of our episodes, head over to adbadger.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to know more about what Stephen and I do professionally, head over to adbadger.com slash podcast deal. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Hey, everybody. It's Mike here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And as some of you may already know, the podcast isn't all that we do when it comes to Amazon. Uh, we actually spend the majority of our day working on building the best Amazon advertising tool we possibly can to help automate a lot of the concepts that we discuss during the show. Yep. And we appreciate you as listeners. We'd love your feedback about our app. Uh, and if you're interested in giving our free trial a shot, just head on over to adbadger.com slash podcast deal. That's adbadger.com slash podcast deal. Thank you so much for the support, guys. We really do appreciate you. And we'll see you next episode.